Hi everybody, welcome back to Relax My Cat, it is Claire and Rags here and we are back with another video for you. Now as most of us know, cats absolutely love uh, playing and sleeping in cardboard boxes. For this week, me and Rags have a really special way to turn um, cardboard boxes into something just a little bit extra special for them. If you want to learn how to do this DIY cardboard cat house, just carry on watching. This episode of the Spike podcast, we welcome Aman Ahmed. Aman is the founder of Music for Pets, Relax My Dog, Relax My Cat, and it's even been called Petflix at the moment. I was really keen to get Aman on the podcast. One of the main reasons is to find out where the idea came from for Relax My Cat, Relax My Dog. In this episode, we're going to speak about Aman's background, the idea, and what the future holds. As always, if you like the episode, please hit subscribe, follow, leave us a review, or reach out to us via the Spike Pod across all social media. So as a bit of background for the listeners, can you just explain a bit about who you are and what you do? My name is Aman. I'm the founder of Music for Pets. Relax My Dog, Relax My Cat. I'm two brands and we make relaxing music and TV for cats and dogs. I guess you could say we're the Netflix for pets or the Petflix, <laughs> as it's called a lot. Now like 42 million pets around the world consume our content. So it's been an exciting journey for sure. Where did the idea originally come from? Uh, we were just looking into music therapy for pets. We were making music to help people sleep. And then it was, you know, people kind of joked about, oh, what about making music for the dog, for their dogs? Yeah, we thought there was something in here around anxiety and therapy for pets. And then my uh, music producer, Ricardo, who's in El Salvador, like his cat and dog had noise anxiety uh, where he was based because, you know, he was in the most violent country or one of the most violent countries in the world and there's a lot of disturbances in his neighborhood so we thought let's give it a try see if it works on his cat and dog and then uh, branch out from there then it all just kind of went absolutely crazy i'm guessing because you started 2012 the business started yeah it was a slow grind just a feedback loop of understanding what worked what didn't work and then uh things just kind of grew from there but it was a bit of a slow burn to start with but in, I'm guessing recently it's done pretty well because I saw it was on this morning on ITV. I saw the video of, I can't remember who it was, their dog used it. At the end, they just like flipped the iPad over or something like that, which was quite good. But is that a kind of a surreal moment really? Because obviously you've been building this business from 2012 to then see it be in place. I saw, I think it was the Times, wasn't it? Been on BBC and now sort of this morning with Dermot, I think it was. It was insane. I was, I was just like, literally, what the f***? This is mad. It was. And I think it was just a moment that you just have to soak it in and uh, treat yourself. I just saw it and I was like, whoa, this is insane. It took a bit of time to be like, this is insane. Like, you know, Dermot or Ray, Larry or whatever. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch X Factor. And it's obviously like a really famous guy. And uh, the lady, Alice Beer, she's quite a famous presenter. To be talking about us on such a big show. It took a bit of time to sink in. I think I read somewhere that you wanted to be a hip-hop producer. Was that right? And that's where sort of the passion started. I don't know if that's true or not. I wanted to get involved in like the hip-hop scene. And my first business was actually going in that direction anyway. And it was doing well. But it was just the back end in terms of the politics and the investors and the co-founders and the advisors and all that. That's when things just got a little bit sticky. And then I just stopped enjoying what I was doing. Like the product, what we were building was amazing. It was so much fun. But yeah, just the structure just became a bit of a mess. 
that's the thing, isn't it? You have you could have the most passion for something, but as soon as it goes, that's it. There's no getting it back. And once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, pretty much that that was it. Yeah. Then yeah, just move on to the next thing. And now look, music mogul for animals. Exactly. <laughs> See, that would be my LinkedIn bio, a little LinkedIn header. That would be <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I might, I might update that. You can see here, we've recorded a little bit of it. It takes a dog on a virtual walk, which is really interesting. Yes, really? I mean, obviously it doesn't, you know, it doesn't replace a proper walk, but you can go on a real oh. walk. We got our producer, Emily, to show her new puppy, Peggy, and see what she thought. Stan won't watch telly, but this is Peggy watching uh, Relax My Dog. Oh. Um, she loves it. Is it. Did your phone go a bit mad when that all happened? People texting you, WhatsApping you? Yeah, loads. Loads of people were messaging me. We didn't even know we were going to be on ITV. The funny thing is, like, someone tried to sign up on our website and they were complaining, saying they couldn't sign up. And I was like, oh. They said, I saw on ITV. I was like, what? ITV? And then we had to check. So it's because our website crashed and someone was complaining. That's how we found out they were on ITV. <laughs> <laughs> or else I wouldn't have known. But yeah, I find that crazy because now, have you already seen, I guess it happened this morning, are you expecting to see a massive influx of new subscribers and do quite well off the back of it? Like things are going well in that direction, but I think we're consistently getting subscribers, either if there's a subscriber on our website or consume our content on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music. It seems to be going definitely in the right direction. A lot of press coverage coming off the back of it, so... Brazilian newspapers, New York Post, Forbes, Fox. I've just seen, I'll get, go for your LinkedIn and just see like every single one of these names coming up. So I saw someone called your music mogul for animals and it's kind of a crazy thing reading that. Do you get quite funny reactions when people say, oh, what do you do? And you tell them. Oh yeah, 100%. 100% funny reactions. But do you know what? It just kind of reinforces that I'm grateful for what this has turned into hi nicole and albert here from relax my dog we're here every week answering all of your doggy related questions with independence day just around the corner it's more than likely that you're going to see a lot of fireworks us humans absolutely love them but our doggy friends don't it's estimated that 45 percent of dogs are afraid of fireworks some dogs get so stressed that they run away from home our four-legged friends find the experience really stressful this is due to their heightened senses so they're really sensitive to sudden loud noises and flashes in the darkness. So this week, we're going to take you through the different steps that you can take to eliminate this stress in your four-legged friend. Especially in the background that I had, like, the, the job that I originally was doing, and then for this to turn into the freedom that I was trying to build as a business and have an impact and, you know, build something beyond making money, which is, like, building a legacy, it's just insane. <laughs> What, what's been your favourite moment of the journey so far? Difficult to say, actually, like, because there's loads of favourite moments. Uh, obviously, ITV this morning is one of them. But I wouldn't say there's any standouts. There's loads. Like, even just waking up every day and be like, this is my job. I can't believe it. Was it a big decision to make the jump again, obviously, after you've just set something up? Or was it quite an easy decision for you back then? There was two points. One was on my internship at Hewlett Packard. I wanted to work in sales. The reason why I wanted to work in sales because I saw all these guys in Porsches and nice suits. And I thought I want to be I want to be that guy, not the guy in the data center. And then started seeking out a sales mentor. He was trying to be an entrepreneur. He's like, you don't want this life. And then he gave me this book, Tim Ferriss, the Four Hour Work Week, and that was a turning point for me. But I still like 
it wasn't enough to push me over the edge. It was enough to like start side hustles, but not enough to push me over the edge. And then when I graduated, I was very fortunate, I guess, like Hewlett Packard, even though I did the internship there, they didn't hire me back. They chose other people that didn't do internships. So that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. And then worked for a bunch of other people, like tried to interview actually different places. No one accepted me. So I fell into recruitment for about eight months. It was amazing, but it was also hell. Because I loved it for the fact that they taught me the the graft, the sales skills, everything, and the and the work ethic. But I hated it because I knew this was not a scalable way to make money. So the tipping point for me is okay. I'm doing eight till eight sometimes in the office, and I need my business to like make me money. It needs to make money asap, and then growing it in the evening. So I'd work from nine till twelve nine till two and then to the point where i was coming into the office and my manager took me aside he was like look we need to have a talk like i think you need to stop smoking weed and i was like what because <laughs> you come to the office and your eyes are so red clearly you're smoking weed every night and i was like not really but it's just because i was just working on my hustle in the e- and then just waking up and then me that was so hard but yeah coming up to 10 years now may 29th uh, 2011 May 29th was when I walked out of recruitment and my business was making me 500 quid a month at the time. But for me, when I did that, I was like, I've officially have freedom in my life. I'm in recruitment and I think recruitment's the new like double glazing where you see a lot of people like they're used to like double glazed sales and call through sort of just like catalogs and catalogs of people. And recruitment's now kind of that thing that people leave university or leave school, they go into recruitment, they either stay and absolutely love it or they stay for a year and learn these skills and a graph is a big thing because the hours you have to put in obviously are absolutely crazy and i do think if you're struggling with what you want to do when you finish university or college going into recruitment is actually quite a smart idea because you learn so many skills everyone that wants to think about being an entrepreneur should first do sales either recruitment or even door-to-door sales and then see if you want to be an entrepreneur because sales skills are just the most important skills in life and transferable in every aspect i can't say i was the best like at recruitment but i learned enough to give me a foundation to be like yeah okay let me take the learnings from here and apply it to something that i'm more passionate about because it's brutal let's be honest (laughs) Like the business development side, no one likes recruit recruiters. I always say they're like just below estate agents, but just above traffic wardens. We're like kind of like in that category, really. Even like we sometimes do it here, where we'll just turn up to business parks and just knock on doors for businesses. And I always think that if one of the team leaves and goes into a different industry, they're so well equipped to go and to do anything now because they've been taught the resilience sort of the rejection side of things as well. You have to take that emotional attachment away from it. And recruitment does teach you to do that. If someone's been a recruiter for two, three years and they wanted to step away, do not discard them because of that. That someone that's lasted that long probably deserves quite a bit because it's a brutal industry to be involved in. 100%, 100%. And like I said, you know, recruitment is one of those things that once you make it like and you build your desk and all that stuff and you have a clients, then you know, life can be quite cushy then because there's obviously so many clients you can handle because humans are not scalable with time. But I think it's just that like that first bit so either way with recruitment, if you go into it, it's win-win. Either you survive and you have a good you a good desk, should we say, or you have such a brutal time that you learn from that and you go on to do something that can be become big and gives you a strong foundation. So I strongly recommend anyone 
do recruitment or some brutal sales job for sure you want to know who the next guest is on the spike i just kind of sat down and said you know what if i'm going to do this i want to make content that i want to see and that's it and just have to be comfortable with it i just keep it going and just crack on hit subscribe or follow and you'll find out first And I think that leads quite nicely to sort of the spike. So obviously the main sort of point of the podcast really is to speak to you about what your spike is, which will then help our listeners recognize what their spike is. So your spike is the thing that's unique to you that you only possess that makes you stand out in a crowded marketplace. So if anything, it's your unique selling point. What do you think your spike is? Common sense. In a sense that everything I've done in business has just been based on pure common sense. Maybe the ability to think a little bit further ahead with trends, like, you know, with, with this business was like, okay, when I started it in 2012, dog ownership was still kind of like on its way up, never mind music and TV for dogs. That and then just taking a very common sense approach, like how do I build a product? How do I make money from it? That's it. Like instead of a lot of people want to go and raise money and, you know, a lot of people want to gas themselves up, but there's no structure behind it. Whereas for me, it's like money coming in versus money going out. It's as simple as that. And with the innovative product, for sure. So yeah, I would say common sense, the ability to look far ahead, those two mm. things. I guess what you just said there as well about sort of keeping it simple, if anything. I mean, a lot of people, especially in business, at the early stages, try really overcomplicate things. What advice as well would you would you give to someone that's just about to set up a business that has these big ambitions for it? What advice would you give them? Keep it simple. Literally, try and monetize your product as quickly as you can without having to raise money. Money in versus money out. That's literally what business is. But I don't even know how more simple you can make it. Just have short-term goals. Don't think too far ahead one month at a time maximum even now i run my business a maximum six months at a time i don't think any further than that so when people ask me you know what do you want to do like where do you want to take the business i'm like i don't know like i don't think that far ahead <laughs> it's a bit like running a marathon isn't it if you keep yeah. focusing on the last mile you're never going to get through the rest of them but once you just realize that it's one mile at a time one mile at a time then that's when you actually start building kind of absolutely taken away one of the next questions but what's the next six months look like for relax my dog and relax my cat so right now we're just not focused just double everything double our traffic double our watch time double our revenue that's it three kpis what advice would you give your 12 year old self not to go to university and waste money i put a post about this on linkedin i've had so much backlash i said it was a waste of time but then i went into the detail about it but the backlash i'm still getting it to this day but it's quite interesting hearing that because everyone's got such mixed opinions and what why do you think that unless you're going to be a doctor lawyer or accountant or whatever way you need university then go for it if you're going to be in a job any job go do an apprenticeship and that will probably give you an option to build in a career or, you know, be an entrepreneur for sure. The other thing, the key thing, I think, for me and my 12-year-old self is um, just jump, like, in that sense. Just go for it. With anything, be, yeah, just be fearless. To go ahead with anything without fear, that time is your most valuable asset, so fear should not be standing in your way. Oh, I like that. I love your views on university, exact same as mine. If you're just going for the nights out, go work, make money and go on better nights out.
That's my yeah. Opinion. I'll go. I'll go to like an easy uni, like Man Met or something, or Salford, where you don't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my mates go Nottingham Trent, and they they all go to Nottingham Trent for the ratio boys to girls because it's quite known that Nottingham Trent is like three girls to one boy on the ratio. And yeah. every time I speak to, we go do like the college talks. They're like, "Yeah, I want to go to Nottingham Trent." I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Oh, uh, it's it's got a really good course." I was like, "No, no, no. what? Why do you want to go there?" They're like, "Oh, because the night outs and the ratio." I'm like, "Go get a job, make loads of money, then you can go have those nights out, visit your mates at uni." Just, I don't know. Yeah, I find it. I find it so crazy. That yeah, that university yeah. mindset. Because now it's, it's expensive as well. And I spoke to someone about it and they said, oh, well, it's not expensive because it's not really a debt. I don't have to pay it back. And I'm like, no, there, it, it is a debt. <laughs> it is, and it does scale up and, and things like that. But finally, yeah, yeah. someone agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense, especially with these lecturers that are just teaching it outdated stuff. Yeah, I, I really don't agree with education. I see what you mean there as well. It's like, like geography. I cannot tell you, well, I did it for GCSE, but I can't look up now at the sky and tell you what cloud it is. I'm like your typical, didn't go to uni, hated college, hated school, but now get invited back to do talks, which just cracks me up because I was just, I wasn't badly behaved, but I was just cheeky, if anything. And uh, I never got good grades, but now I'm in talking to them about what they should do. So it's all, it's just the weirdest thing. And I think education is not for everyone. It's just, yeah. I could rant about it for years about it, but I'm not going to do that right now. And I don't think the education system suits people that don't want to go to university and actually just want to set up a business and go down the entrepreneur side. I was speaking to someone and we said, imagine how great it would be if sales was a subject at school. Or financial education. Everyone, no one knows how to manage their money properly. That's the key education that everyone needs to learn. Everyone goes into debt. Schools don't teach that because obviously, I guess... It's good for the economy that people are living in that cycle of money coming in, money going out. Everyone's always skint at the end of the month waiting for the paycheck and so on and so on. So, but if that was taught, then be smart. If at 16 you're like, you know what, I just got 500 quid in the S&P 500 and that'll, grow, that'll compound at 7% a year and then, you know, you're 16 or whatever, then, you know, you've got, you've got yourself a stock portfolio that's growing very quickly, like a basic like that. No one knows. It's a shame that schools don't teach that. I guess education is what it is. Just avoid it. <laughs> That's what I say. There we go. I think we can all agree that was an interesting conversation. Hearing from a man about why you shouldn't overcomplicate things and his spike being common sense, simple but very effective. And you can see it's worked out very well for him. What's your spike? We'd love to hear from you about what you think your spike is. Let us know at the Spike Pod across all social media or leave it in the review. As always, if you did enjoy this episode, hit the follow, subscribe, and we look forward to you joining us next time.